five lists for movies, music, TV, and pop culture. Welcome to another episode of Two Peas. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome into another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. I'm so glad that you're joining us yet again. We have another fun top five topic for you this week. This is Gerald with you. And the other pea on the pod, I'm excited because it is a first-time guest. We've been lucky enough to do that several times over the last couple of months, and this is no exception. We're into the year of 2021, as, as you're hearing this episode. And, you know, we got it's a new year. we got to get some new blood in here. So <laughs> this guy hit me up on Twitter a couple months ago, and I've really been enjoying chatting with him on social media. He's got a really great show of his own. But like I said, he's never been on the Peas before. So let's say hello to David from the Piecing It Together podcast. David, what's up, man? How are you? Hey, I'm doing great, man. I am uh, excited for this conversation. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I do too, man. And uh, we were talking a little bit before in the pre-roll, before we started recording, because, you know, when I do these top fives, and I do them every week, and usually in the world of movies and music, at least, they come to me pretty quickly. Like somebody will pitch me a topic, you know, top five, whatever. And I usually have like, you know, three, four, five that kind of come to mind before I even start Googling or, or thinking about it, really. Mm-hmm. This this one was a little bit different, David. It was, uh, I had to kind of, <laughs> had to kind of go into the depths of the internet a little bit to kind of jar my memory and bring up some of these from, from back, you know, in some cases, 20 years ago. Sure. So we're, so we're, to let everyone know, we're doing soundtracks that were released in the year 2000 through 2009. So the first decade of the 2000s. Are we calling that the aughts? I guess so. People, I guess that would be the technical term. I guess that's what people do, right? So <laughs> why not? <laughs> we'll conform to that. Sure. So the best soundtrack of the aughts. So what about for you, David? I mean, how was your research? You pitched this topic to me. So was this a topic that you were already kind of familiar with and you kind of knew where you wanted to go? It wasn't something that like I had all my picks all ready to go. I certainly had a couple in mind like when I first mentioned it. Uh, but I think it was actually you, though, who came back at me with with narrowing it down specifically to the aughts, uh, which was an interesting curveball. I mean, that definitely. <laughs> uh, it, and then also we should we should mention that uh, we're not talking about film scores. We're talking specifically no. about soundtracks filled with songs. And yes, so they, that's another like another layer to like really kind of narrow this down to where it's like you really do need to kind of dig deep to find things. Yeah, I I, I, pre- I thank you for mentioning that by the way. Yeah, we did eliminate scores which would have obviously broadened the conversation and made it, you know, much deeper to pull to to pull from, but I do think that one of these days I'm going to do scores from individual decades. Mm-hmm. So I kind of want, I kind of wanted to keep that separate, so I wouldn't be doubling up on on episodes there. But you know, one of the reasons I want to narrow it down to the to the decade specifically, like a ten year period, David, is because I don't know if you know, but it's it's been a long time actually. But some of the my funnest episodes we ever had, we did the with the top soundtracks of the '80s, mm-hmm. and we and we did the '90s. So now here we are, the 2000s. Beautiful. Uh, so I think. 
if you see the pattern there, sometime in the near future, hopefully, I'll be able to do the soundtracks of the last 10 years of the 2010s. So I'm kind of breaking it up in that way, too, to kind of just help, you know, more content and more things to discuss as, as the future unfolds. So the 2010s one is going to be like all trap music, basically. So I, I, I'm, I'm out on that one. Sorry. <laughs> oh, man, it will be tough, won't it? Oh, wow. Uh, okay, man. So top soundtracks of the aughts. And I got David here from piecing it together. Now, uh, you've never been on the show before, so we have a lot of loyal listeners. Why don't you tell them a little bit about your show and, and what you do over there, man? Sure. Well, uh, so first of all, Piecing It Together is my podcast where I always have a different guest on. And what we do is we take a look at a new movie through the lens of what other movies might have inspired it. And so we end up uh, entering the conversation each with a list of movies that we have in mind and going back and forth with those movies. And it's a little bit of a twist on a movie review show because instead of just straight up reviewing that new release, we get to talk about all these other classics along the way that we want to bring up. And I think it's just like a fun, unique unique, different way to talk about movies. And, you know, it's it's a great way to uh, bring on all different kinds of voices and uh, everybody kind of brings a little something different to it. And yeah. aside from the podcast, I also am a music composer and I compose music for films a lot. So that's part of the reason why this particular topic was okay. uh, near and dear to my heart. And of course, I'm more on the score side of things, but the music <laughs> side, though, the the song side is, you know, incredibly important when it comes to sure. uh, creating the whole aural experience of a film. So sure. super important. So so when you're doing pieces together, because I've listened to a few episodes and it, and it is a really interesting take on, like you said, it's not just a straight up movie review. So, I, I mean, how intense is the research for you for that? I try not to do too much research, actually. Okay. Uh, right. Yeah, because I don't want to drive myself nuts. I don't want my guests to have to drive themselves nuts. But at, at the same time, though, uh, once I start thinking about a movie, I would say the more I like the movie, the deeper I'm going to end up going just because that's what I would have done anyway before I had a podcast. I would have started okay. looking at this this filmmaker's influences, looking at movies that I happen to see other reviews are uh, suggesting, oh, this reminds me of this, this reminds me of that. And so, you know, that's just part of my uh, consuming a movie, uh, you know, regimen anyway, is to like look into what came before. So it's okay. definitely something I end up doing regardless. And especially if I like the movie, I end up doing it more. Okay. Well, that's cool, man. I mean, it is a really cool concept, guys. Make sure you look him up. His information will be in the show notes and he'll also tell you where to find him at the end of the episode as well. So David, if you're ready, man, why don't we get into our favorite soundtracks? Again, we're not doing scores, guys, just uh, song related soundtracks from the year 2000 up until 2009. David, I'm going to let you go first, man. What do you have at your number five? I'm excited to see what direction you're going in, man. All right. So I'm, I'm a little uh, uncertain of my order, so I'm just going to roll with it and see, uh, see where it takes me. But uh, <laughs> for number five, I am going to go with 2004's Garden State. Uh, mm -hmm. Of course, a, you know, very at the time, um, incredibly scene setting soundtrack i mean the, the songs on there uh from the shins zero seven iron and wine nick drake coldplay i mean it really kind of set the scene for early 2000s to mid 2000s like indie rock and mm -hmm. i know that that movie and of course zach praff himself have gotten a lot of <laughs> flack in the years since and it's kind of fallen out of favor but it's yeah, i think yeah. i think it's kind of like impossible to, to deny just how huge 
huge yeah. that soundtrack was and how influential it was. And it really still kind of rules. It's like the music on there is fantastic. So that's why it's my pick. I think I'll does man carrying is creepy by the shins one of my favorite songs so good Uh, it's so easily of the the last 20 years is on that soundtrack well this one's right outside my top five it's literally my number six so it's the uh, i didn't mention at the top but i have five honorable mentions i'll talk about at the end of the episode that didn't quite make the cut but this is one of them it's a great soundtrack you know the only thing i'll say kind of is what you already said but it was really at the very kind of beginning part like right when that indie rock kind of underground music was starting to become mainstream mm-hmm. and I think I think albums like Garden State really helped some of those bands kind of get over that hump to where you know they were selling millions of records as opposed to thousands mm-hmm. um, so I think Garden State was pretty pivotal in, in that time in music for indie rock so Absolutely. cool pick man I love it and it's it was right on my radar it just missed my top five so great pick there man right on well what do you got for your fifth one well we're talking about indie rock so mine is cool because my number five is cool because it does have a lot of indie rock mixed in there but it also blends a lot of 80s music into it and not only that it takes a lot of 80s music and does various renditions of 80s songs that we're familiar with whether it's a cover or whether the sound mixing was done a little bit differently over the original track in the movie itself even if that's not what may have ended up on the ultimate ultimately on the soundtrack but it is from 2002 is Donnie Darko Mm. all right so this is a movie that is very divisive I'm a fan of this film. I love this movie. It's, it's a sci-fi movie that's kind of a kind of a mind fuck, you know. Sure. But I I love it, man. I mean, you got the Gyllenhaal brother and the Gyllenhaal sister in the movie together. Uh, it's a really dark kind of sci-fi black, dark comedy um, that I really enjoy. But the soundtrack, man. I mean, you got NXS, Tears for Fears. Oh man, let me think. The Church, Oingo Boingo, uh, Echo and the Bunny Men, Joy Division, Duran Duran, I think, is on the soundtrack. And it has one of my favorite covers of all time. It's actually in my top five cover songs of all time, which is a cover of Tears for Fears Mad World done by Gary Jules. Mm. And I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's a very haunting, uh, kind of almost like a solo piano version of that song. Sure, yeah, yeah. I remember uh, that. It, all around me are familiar faces. Worn out places, worn out faces, bright and early for their daily races, going nowhere, going nowhere. Their tears are filling up their glasses, no expression, no expression. Hide my head, I wanna drown my sorrow. No tomorrow, no tomorrow. And I find it kinda funny, I find it kinda sad. The 
Dreams in which I'm dying are the best I've ever had I find it hard to tell you, I find it hard to take When people run in circles, it's a very, very And it's great. And it's a juxtaposition from the actual song, too, because the, the Tears for Fears version is a very poppy, upbeat, kind of like dance number, mm-hmm. which which is in the movie. So it's a very, uh, it's a cool kind of spin on what you'd seen in the movie versus what you hear on the soundtrack. So yeah, Donnie Darko, man, is is, uh, is my number five. You a fan of this flick or the soundtrack? Donnie Darko is a movie I've been wanting to return to for so many years now. I need to make it happen again soon. I have only seen it once back when it first came out, and I was definitely a little under the influence at the time and I, <laughs> I I'm sure most people watch it and don't remember what they saw but I really don't remember what the hell I saw but uh, yeah I need, I need to watch that movie again sometime soon yeah man that's a good one it's very it's down the it's one of those down the middle movies man I've heard I've heard people just hate it you know and I'm like what I kind of I kind of dig it and mm-hmm. there's people that love it so yeah it's hard to be middle of the road with Donnie Darko but like I said I enjoy it and the soundtrack is awesome I love Tears for Fears I love 80s music uh, and I love the kind of synth way that they kind of recreated some of these tunes on the soundtrack too so it's really cool so totally. that's my number five man we're over to you for your four buddy what do you got alright number four I am gonna go with a very popular one but I had to include it on my list uh, it is the Eminem pseudo biopic 8 Mile from 2002 yeah. Uh, yeah. which doubles as the last great Eminem album uh, em- oh <laughs> I don't know man I don't know I, I've got to say that I mean he came out of nowhere <laughs> and was just the greatest thing that had happened to hip hop in so many years and was just incredible and blew all our minds and then yeah. And made those couple of albums that were just fantastic and then made that which it's not completely an Eminem album there's other artists on it as well but sure. uh, I mean of course has you know Lose Yourself and a bunch of other like great classic Eminem huge hits I mean I think that's probably his biggest hit maybe I'm not quite sure about that but it, you know it's such a good album and I think it's just been a diminishing returns ever since then I actually kind of liked his album that came out this year uh, it, I thought it was pretty good but uh, generally speaking though i think everything has been kind of downhill since then so that that's kind of that kind of sucks but it was so damn good at the time and the those songs like the specifically the eminem songs they still stand the test of time as like some of the the best hip-hop of that era his palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy There's vomit on his sweater already, mom's spaghetti He's nervous, but on the surface he looks calm and ready to drop palms But he keeps on forgetting what he wrote down The whole crowd goes so loud, he opens his mouth But the words won't come out, he's choking how Everybody's choking now, the clock's run out Time's up, over, plow, snap back to reality Oh, there goes gravity, oh, there goes rabbit He choked, he's so mad, but he won't give up I mean, I, I'll 
you know, respectfully disagree with you on Eminem's discography because okay. I'm a big I'm a big fan of his. But what I will tell you that's kind of cool is this is my number four as well. Oh, Eight wow. Mile. Very cool. So so I'll talk a little bit about why I had to throw the soundtrack on there. I feel like you already mentioned it is a pretty obvious pick. Mm-hmm. But you know, I mean Eminem, man, just to kind of <laughs> just to kind of defend him a little bit. I mean, the Eminem show came out this same year, mm-hmm. which is probably my favorite album of his next to his next to his uh, Slim Shady LP. Mm-hmm. Uh, Encore was a great album that came out in 04. Even Relapse and Recovery, which were ve- uh, very cathartic albums for him as he was in recovery. Sure. Uh, and, you know, getting over addiction and things like that. You know, I think he's got, I think he's still, and you mentioned the one that just came out recently too. It's just crazy to me, like his lyrical content and his style that he's able to still be successful doing that at his age. You know, that's a very impressive thing to me. He's always going to be, like, if not the most, one of the most exciting rappers to, like, hear what he comes out with every time. Like, there's a lot of rappers who, you know, they kind of fall off, and it's like, okay, whatever, I'm kind of done with them. But, you know, when Eminem comes out with something, you're going to at least give it one spin, you know? Right, right, exactly. Yeah, he's definitely made that name for himself. But I chose 8 Mile 2 as my number four. Uh, I mean, you know, you said it beautifully, but I mean, what was really cool about this album is that these were original songs. Most of them Eminem had a a little part in. And even the ones he didn't, you could see his influence because, you know, his um, kind of extended family, D12, which is a rap group that he was a part of, which which was a group of musicians from the Detroit area, uh, formed D12. And then you have 50 Cent, who's an artist that he basically found, much like B-Rabbit is found in the film, uh, very similar kind of uprising there for 50 Cent in that area in Michigan. And what was cool is this album was just like a bunch of buddies from the Detroit area that were just making music uh, in the hopes of making a name for themselves. And they were almost like they were doing it as characters in the movie 8 Mile, which I thought was really cool too. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was told from the perspective of their characters in a lot of ways. And then you have some great, you know, uh, infamous names in the hip-hop world like Nas, uh, Rakim, uh, gang stars on the soundtrack. So yeah. And then I love how Eminem brought in, you know, people that he either discovered or collaborated with like Obi Trice and D12 and Exhibit, uh, who also is in the movie, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's also my number four, man. It's a great pick, obviously. A little crossover there. So Eminem's Eight Mile. Uh, my four, your four. What's your number three, man? You're up next. All right. So number three comes in right under the wire. It's uh, from 2000, and it is the Coen Brothers' Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? All right. uh, which is a little bit of a mix of score and soundtrack, but uh, those T-Bone Burnett, you know, produced songs like, you know, going into bluegrass, country, gospel, folk. I mean, just, you know, all of that just classic Americana type music. And it just created such, such a beautiful and amazing uh, tapestry for these characters to go on their little journey through the South. And, uh, you know, George Clooney is just so fantastic as the lead of mm-hmm. the Soggy Bottom Boys. And some of those songs are still uh, some absolute favorites of mine. And I, w- I would say it was a little bit of a stepping stone for me, too, in getting into a lot more like folky music as I got older. You know, obviously, when I was younger, I was more into metal and into, into hip hop and into all that stuff. And nowadays, I listen to a lot of weepy sad singer songwriters and I, I think that was kind of a uh, a uh, you know stepping stone on the way there for me the other night dear as I lay sleeping I dreamed I held you in my arms but when I woke dear I was mistaken and I hung my head and I cried you are my 
sure, man. Uh, this is a cool one. You know, my ex-co-host, Andy, loved this movie, man. One of his favorite movies ever. I love the Coen brothers. You know, I do enjoy this movie. I just had, kind of like what you said uh, with my pick earlier, is that I just, I saw it when it first came out. I don't really remember it. Since, I haven't seen it since then. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, it's not stuck in my mind. But I know it's a lot of fun. I love the Coen brothers. I love Clooney. This one, we'll talk about fan feedback at the end of the episode, David, but this one got a little bit of back and forth between the fans over there on the Facebook in the Facebook community. Oh, yeah? Uh, it was a little bit of a contention over there over this one. So Interesting. We'll touch on that when we get to the fan feedback at the end, but it was mentioned quite a bit over there when I asked for feedback. So, oh, brother, where art thou is your number three. My number three is a movie that I love, man. You know, the soundtrack is no exception. I mean, it's almost a no-brainer because it's based on the life of Johnny Cash. It's a movie called Walk the Line that came out in 2005, Mm. and that's my number three. Are you a fan of Johnny Cash or this film? Sure, absolutely. Uh, Definitely. Great performance. Great performances all around. Uh, Fantastic movie. Yeah, you know, just to elaborate a little bit, I mean, really, that's all I need to say is is the music of Johnny Cash. But what's really cool here is that it's they're all sung by Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. Um, You know, he performs the songs on the soundtrack and in the movie. And that just endeared me to his portrayal of Cash. It really helped authenticate it, you know, and I thought it was amazing. Now, that's Joaquin Phoenix, who we know is an amazing actor. He just won the Academy Award this past year. He's obviously one of the best alive on screen. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you right now, bro, Reese Witherspoon is like (laughs) one of my queens. Like, I absolutely adore her. Anything she's in, she's absolutely just breathtaking to me. She's one of my favorite actresses. I love her so much. And this is her favorite role or my favorite role of hers, which which is saying a lot because of how big of a fan I am of her. But she won the Academy Award for this, playing June, and just killed it, man. They have duets on the soundtrack together and in the movie together. And again, it's the actor singing it. So Reese and Joaquin are singing these tunes together. Uh, it Ain't Me, Babe, and Jackson, which are two of my favorite songs after seeing the movie. Mm-hmm. Those were those were two Johnny Cash songs I was not super familiar with prior to the film. And after seeing those two actors' rendition of those songs and then hearing them on the soundtrack, made me go look up the originals that Johnny and June Carter Cash did together. Go away from my window Leave at your own chosen speed I'm not the one you want, babe I'm not the one you need You say you're looking for someone who's never weak This is an epic love story, man. I mean, they were together for just so long. And then when June passed away, like six months later, John passed away. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a tragic but beautiful love story that those two that those two shared. They were just made for each other. Uh, and music really helped them, you know, get through their life together. So Walk the Line is a movie that I love. It's no secret to anyone that listens to the show on a regular basis. And that's why that's my number three soundtrack. 
Excellent feel, pick. Man? Excellent yeah. pick. Yeah, and I, I haven't seen that in a long time either. But uh, I, I remember at the time just how how much those two just absolutely nailed it. Uh, and aside from all the other things that you said, I'll also mention that if it wasn't for Walk the Line, we wouldn't have Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. So. <laughs> That's it, very true. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's very true, man. The, the gift that just keeps on giving. Oh, I tell yeah. you. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one, brother. All right, so we are up to our runner-ups, David. What do you got at number two, man? All right, so my number two, uh, I this actually comes in as a bit of a technicality because the movie came out in 1999, but the soundtrack came out in 2000. But I, I had to include it, and it does fit because it is 2000. The movie is called Ghost Dog, Way of the Samurai. What? Is a, it's an incredible movie from Jim Jarmusch starring uh, okay. uh, Forrest Whitaker as a samurai. Uh, he's, he's like a, a samurai who uh, like lives amongst the pigeons, and he's kind of like a hip-hop samurai. And it's just a fantastic, weird indie movie from that era. And the soundtrack is produced by the RZA from the Wu-Tang Clan. Mm -hmm. okay. And I would say that this album, uh, any fans of, of, of the Wu-Tang Clan know that there's all of the you know side albums from the members of Wu-Tang, but then there's also the quote-unquote Wu affiliates or Killer Bees or whatever you want to call them. Uh, all those other side groups, the Killer Army and the Killer Priests and Sons man all, all those groups this is the best non-wu-tang wu-tang album it, oh, it wow. captures all of them at the top of their game uh almost the whole thing i think is produced by the rizza uh there's also some people from outside of wu-tang that appear on it like cool g rap and jerry the damager uh this is just uh, the ultimate in like underground hip-hop from that like early 2000s era and to me is one of the one of the best wu-tang albums I mean, if I was to put together a top 10 Wu-Tang albums, it would definitely be on that list. Boy, young Lord, Major Swartz, time for everyone to go record. It's born, born, young Lord, Major Swartz, time for everybody to go record. Trapped in silence, still win. Chrome silencer, screwed on tight, kept the gunshots to seal then. We attacked four flags. With Chicago poor red, bandanas tied tight around our heads. Swing with the force of a sledge. Single wedge, stainless steel blade, chopped the wedge to this analog derelict's head. We even thought that he could go against the truth and the gods and fall back from the will of a law. You'll be facing the firing squad of a thousand archers out the market. The milk time scully king box bullets like jelly beans. Birds in my nest resting up on the telly scene. Murderous rap track to me is legal felony. Can't accept what you analog cats be telling me. I get the verbal weapon, won't hesitate for one second to break your back like Big Jack from Jackin'. It's born, born, young lord, so raise your swords. It's born, born, young lord, raise your swords. Ghost dog. Ghost dog, right. way of the samurai. Who would have thought Jim Jarmusch would be wow. instrumental in bringing together this album? But That's true, too, actually. I mean, he's a great filmmaker. I'm, I'm always interested in his work. But this is one that I don't think I know. Okay. But hearing about hearing about it and Forrest Whitaker as a samurai and Wu Tang soundtrack, yeah, I'm in. You know, it sounds legit. So Very I'll cool have to, movie. I'll have to check it out. But man, you really so that's a that's a rare. Uh, you would say that's a rare gem, though, right? I mean, I'm not an idiot for not having heard of that. No, I would say it's definitely a little uh, under the radar okay. for sure. <laughs> All right, cool, man. Well, great pick, Ghost Dog. I got to look it up. If anything else, so thanks for that. All right. 
All right, man. So my runner-up is another no-brainer for my regular listeners. I'm so, so sorry, guys. Uh, I've actually covered a full retrospective of this film over on my Patreon about six months ago. It's in my top 50 movies of all time, and the soundtrack is just as good. It's almost famous from 2000, Mm -hmm. the Cameron Crowe film. Uh, I'm a huge Elton John fan. He's one of my favorite artists, and he's all over this movie, man. Tiny Dancer is obviously the scene that everybody goes to on the bus, and probably the song that everybody kind of thinks of first when they think about this movie which that's a great song but there's so much other stuff kind of hidden in this soundtrack that are you know because this soundtrack does that thing where you see a song on it and you go when the hell did i don't remember seeing that in the movie and it's like it's playing on the car radio in the background you right, know, while people right. are talking like this movie does a lot of that you know and then you you see the soundtrack and you're like oh yeah you know i did and you hear it on this or you watch the movie the second or third time and you hear the songs and you're like oh okay there there it is but I mean, you got some great like 60s and 70s rock acts that, you know, weren't like giant blockbuster acts at the time, but they were speaking to the tone of the film and this fictional band Stillwater, uh, even the songs that that they have on the soundtrack, which is a fictional band, they sound, those songs sound very familiar they sound real. They sound like they actually are songs from the 1970s, yeah. uh, even, though, even though they were written in the late 90s for the movie. Um, but yeah, Simon and Garfunkel, The Who, Rod Stewart's on the soundtrack, already mentioned uh, Elton John, Led Zeppelin, David Bowie, Cat uh, Stevens. I mean, there's a lot of 60s and 70s acts that you hear their name now and their second nature. But if you take yourself back to a place in a time, you know, a lot of those acts like Bowie and those guys are actually kind of their likeness is kind of featured in the film. Um, which, you know, it's based on a true story. I'm sure you know that. Sure. And they were acts that were up and coming at the time. So it's just really cool to kind of have a time capsule and look back to that kind of uh, era of, of rock and roll in the in the early 70s. So Almost Famous is one of my favorite films. And I think the soundtrack tells, it, it's a perfect soundtrack. It really tells the story of that film, yeah. the music that they chose. Now I know Spanish Harlem are not just Pretty words to say I thought I knew But now I know That rose trees never grow In New York City Until you've seen This trash can dream come true Stand at the edge While people run you through And I thank the Lord There's people out there like you I thank the Lord There's people out there like you While Mona Lisa's and Mad Hatter's Sons of bankers, sons of lawyers Turn around and say good morning to the night For unless they see the sky But they can't and that is why They know not if it's dark outside or light 
yeah, I, I, th- I think it's a, a fantastic pick, and it was actually going to be uh, one of my uh, honorable mentions. It, it is an incredible soundtrack, great film. It, it's crazy that the originals uh, on there are, like, they fit right in with, with all those classic rock songs. You know, it's pretty amazing. And, uh, you know, since you brought Elton John up, I guess I might as well give a quick plug. My family's record store, Wax Tracks, which Elton John actually shops at. Um, he, oh, he is, uh, Yeah, he is uh, a, an amazing person and he has been to our store like a couple dozen times now. Uh, is this in, in Cali or where is this I'm, I'm in, uh, We're in Las Vegas. Uh, okay, Vegas. Sorry. Yeah, it's called Wax Tracks Records. And uh, yeah, he's after he sold off all his vinyl to build an AIDS foundation, he started rebuying all of his favorites. And he, he comes to us for pretty much everything, which is just surreal and weird and crazy because, yeah, he's one of the best ever. No, I love him, man. We did... Um, I've only done, man, I wish I knew off the top of my head, but I want to say maybe four or five episodes out of nearly 200 where I've devoted an entire episode to one artist, you know? Mm-hmm. And, we, and we did that for Elton. We did our top five Elton John songs a couple of years ago. Nice. And I've only done that for like him. Uh, we did it for Elvis. Uh, me, and my, me and my buddy Andy were big Justin Timberlake fans, so we did that. Hmm. Um, yeah, we've only done it like four or five times, but Elton John's one of them. I just, I love his whole catalog. And, you know, Almost Famous is a movie that I don't know it's hard to explain but it's almost like if Elton John were a screenwriter that's a movie that he would have written sure <laughs> ba- yeah. based on his life as a rocker do you know what I mean yeah um but yeah, I love him and I love this movie. And this movie makes me think of him, which is really cool too. So definitely, uh, there you go. That's my number two, Almost Famous. And we were up to our number ones, man. So we kind of blew through it. Now, look, you really um, threw me for a loop on the old ghost dog thing. Man. So I'm going to have to uh, <laughs> I'm gonna have to dive into that rabbit hole when we're done here tonight. Well, let's see what you got at number one, man. What is your favorite soundtrack? Again, this would be between 2000 and 2009. What do you got, David? All right, so I mentioned earlier that my musical tastes have uh, skewed towards the sappy singer-songwriter uh, type of music lately, uh, sure. but definitely 2007's Once would be oh, yeah. my sure. number one pick. Uh, the The music of Glenn Hansard and uh, Marketa Iraglova from The Frames, I believe their, their band was called, uh, just... An incredible, incredible movie, incredible soundtrack, made for like probably the best Oscars ever because of that whole moment with them, uh, with them winning. Uh, of course, mm-hmm. Falling Slowly was like the big hit that came out of that, like the big song that anybody who was like you know into that kind of film knew about. But the rest of the soundtrack is just absolutely perfection. Uh, some of the best of that kind of singer songwriter type mu- music and. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can't say enough good things about it. I, as a musician, I, I think it's one of the best movies that captures just like how exciting it could be when things just all start coming together in the studio when you're when you're writing a piece of music and it's just all coming together. You're like, ah, oh, yes, this is it. Uh, it just it captures that so so well, along with being you know a, a story about a bunch of other things as well. I mean, it's just it's just a very rich, beautiful movie, and the music is just so perfect. I don't know you, but I want you all the more for that words fall through me and always fool me and I can't react in games that never amount to more 
than they're meant will play themselves It's a great one, man. It's it's another one that I haven't seen in way too long, so I couldn't be unauthentic and put it on my list. But I did think about it because I do have such fond memories of it, and the music is just at the it's just the centerpiece of yeah, that film. Absolutely. I remember that too. You know, it's definitely a quote unquote music movie. Yeah. You know, it really is driven by the music. So great pick, man. There you go. Once is your number one. Hey, I see what you did there. There you go. <laughs> your once you number go. one. All right. <laughs> All right. So you know, my number one is I would say. And, you know, this might be a this might be a tough call here. I don't know. But as far as filmmakers go and direct, you know, from from the directing chair, at least when they incorporate popular songs into their movies, I don't know that anybody does it better than Quentin Tarantino. I really don't. Uh, I don't know his process, man. I wish I did. Maybe you do from working on different things in music scores and whatnot but he just is so good at finding a song and when you hear the song title or if you if you know the tune and you're like well that's never gonna fit in this scene or this scenario and then you see it in that scenario and you're like oh my god that was fucking perfect yeah absolutely (laughs) you know what i mean yep so uh, the soundtrack I'm naming is Kill Bill Volume 1 mm-hmm. is my number one soundtrack. And really, it's for that reason. Uh, you know, it was released in 2003, so it fits the brief here. You know, Death Proof is another great Tarantino soundtrack that came out about four or five years later that I thought about choosing. But I went with this one because I love this movie a lot more. Um, and I think this, the songs really play to that as well. I mean, he's all over the place. It's an international soundtrack. It really is. I um, mean, he's got the five, six, seven, and eights on there, a Korean kind of pop band. Yeah. And that really catchy woohoo that ended up in like a Verizon commercial or something like that a few years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you couldn't get out of your head. But, you know, he started that with, with Kill Bill. He uh, went back to the 60s from a, uh, it was like a, an old school kind of psychological thriller called Twisted Nerve. And he, he took Bernard Herrmann's score from that and incorporated it into this film uh, when, when L Driver is stalking the bride in the hospital. Yeah. Uh, and it's the whistling over the kind of ominous music. so perfectly to go with her character and then you have some old school just kind of like classic numbers from from artists like nancy sinatra that starts the film off with uh, bang bang my baby shot me down oh yeah all the way up to some current stuff by the rizza who we've already mentioned once tonight which is kind of crazy <laughs> uh but he's on this soundtrack doing some production numbers and stuff for them 
or for Tarantino. So yeah, I love Kill Bill because, you know, yes, I love the movie. Yes, I love the soundtrack. But I guess what I'm kind of saying is I'm kind of cheating a little bit. I'm saying I'm giving it kind of a an homage and a shout out to how well Tarantino kind of crafts the soundtrack. Um, really any one of his films that fit into the whatever time frame we're talking about could have gone on this list. Um, you know, Pulp Fiction is probably in my top five total soundtracks, period, sure. from any any time frame. Um, so what do you think, man? I mean, you're, you're out there doing music stuff. I mean, am I, I'm not articulating this, but do you know what I mean? Like what's a film, what do you think a filmmaker's process is to like find these songs to put in these movies? Yeah, no, I, I mean, everything you just said about this soundtrack is absolutely correct. And Tarantino is this person who he, he has such an encyclopedia like knowledge of films. And like, I think that's where it comes from. He's, he's seen he's obviously with his shots and the way he's uh, writing his films. Uh, he, he's drawing from so much film history. I think that's why he also is doing the same thing with music in his films. That's why he's so good at just picking these songs that you would have just never thought of. And mm-hmm. I, I have a feeling a filmmaker like him would be just... Uh, just so insane to work with because he'd be just so particular about every, you know, everything that he already knows what he wants. And like, it's like, well, why, why am I even here? You know? Um, (laughs) But funny thing about Kill Bill though, is that I almost was going to make it tied with Ghost Dog because of the RZA being a producer oh, okay. on there both you of go. those yeah. soundtracks. But <laughs> I decided, you know, I'll just make it an honorable mention. I'm not going to cheat and include a sixth movie in my five. But uh, yeah, I, you know, it is absolutely one of the best of this decade. And it just in general, like you said, Tarantino, all of his movies have soundtracks that could fit whatever decade it is. It's one of the best of that decade because, right, right, because yeah. they're always just so good. And it's such an interesting mix of music from, you know, the soul, to the funk to the, the classic film scores being like reused mm-hmm. to the, you know, mm-hmm. just so much interesting stuff being thrown together. And it seems like it shouldn't work, but it just so does. Right. No. Yeah, obviously, I agree, man. And, you know, Cameron Crowe is another one, too. We were talking about Almost Famous earlier. He's a filmmaker that's so well at incorporating music, but his is always a little more specific. Like, it's always kind of that Southern rock or 70s rock. Sure. But Tarantino just takes it to another level because he's all over the place, man. I mean, it's like you're like, well, how do you even know that song? <laughs> do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, where did you right. hear that? Yeah. Uh, it's just crazy. Um, and then he popularizes it in a way because, you know, so many people that are fans of his are being introduced to these songs that, you know, like I said, he knows somehow or he found them somehow. Um, and he's kind of sharing them with a new generation, basically, Totally uh, is, is the way I look at it, too. So, you know, I went ahead and decided to do Kill Bill from this decade, but I knew Tarantino was going to be up there for me, man, uh, when you pitched this topic to me. So that's my number one soundtrack from the aughts. David, and we, we did good there, man. Why don't you wrap up your top five again? Just remind everyone what the five picks you had were. All right. So my five picks were Garden State, Eight Mile, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, Ghost Dog, Way of the Samurai, and Once. Ghost Dog. <laughs> you got me going, man. I'm ready for that one. I wonder if that's streaming anywhere. Uh, I, I'm not sure, but it's got to yeah. be out there somewhere. All right. My number five was Donnie Darko. My number four was also Eight Mile. Then I had Walk the Line at three, Almost Famous at two, and Kill Bill Volume One was my number one. 
Um, David, I got five honorable mentions as I like to do here to round up my top 10. What do you got over there for honorables that didn't crack the top five, man? So I, I had three. We already mentioned two of them, which were almost famous in Kill Bill Volume 1. So the mm. only other one I've got listed here would be uh, Wes Anderson's The Royal Tenenbaums. Uh, yeah, good one. Wes yeah. Anderson in general, great soundtracks, choices. And, I agree. I mean, some people think it's too precious and too you know indie and all that stuff. But I mean, that's just a perfect soundtrack. It's so damn good. Yeah, I agree, man. Uh, my number six was Garden State. You already mentioned. My number seven was a movie that I absolutely love from 2004 called The Girl Next Door with mm-hmm. Alicia Cuthbert. Oh man, don't get me started on that, but I love her. I love that movie. Yeah, and it's a great it's a great soundtrack too. A lot of early 2000s rock, uh, kind of a product of its time, but it's really cool to listen to. Okay. More 80s music on American Psycho. American Psycho from 2000. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, is uh, would yeah. be my number eight. My number nine would have been 500 Days of Summer. Mm. with Zoe Deschanel. And then my number 10 would have been the Sofia Coppola masterpiece Lost in Translation. Sure. I, I love that soundtrack. Another kind of soundtrack that features two different worlds, you know, and it has a lot of uh, foreign music on it and then a lot of American music on it. A lot of artists that were not prominent at the time, such as Phoenix, which blew up a couple of years after this this movie came out. But at the time, they were super indie. It's got a really cool female rapper on that soundtrack called Peaches. I love her, and she's playing in the strip club. Uh, Scarlett Johansson does a pretender song to karaoke in it, Brass and Pocket. Sure. Um, so, yeah, great soundtrack, Lost in Translation. So that would have rounded out my top ten. Now, David, what I like to do at the end of the episode, brother, is I like to head over to social media and see what the fans have to say. Now, I don't think uh, – correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think you're over there in our Facebook group, David. we got to get you over uh, there. Yeah, I need to join. I didn't even know about it. Yeah, I'm going to get you in there, man. We'll get you in there after the episode, but right. uh, maybe, maybe that'll be cool for a little surprise factor here for you. So I said, what are your favorite soundtracks that were released from 2000 to 2009? So our buddy Chris Yanni, who's a patron of the show, says 8 Mile, Lord of the Rings, Pirates of the Caribbean, Donnie Darko, Road to Perdition, and his honorable mention would be Shrek. <laughs> Okay. What do you think, man? Well, I, w- I will <laughs> say, as far as score is concerned, yeah, uh, Pir- Pirates yeah. of the Caribbean, that's like one of the best Hans Zimmer scores. So uh, I'm, yeah. I'm cool with that, even though it doesn't fit the uh, the theme that we were going Ke- for. Yeah, killing it. I think a few people went uh, kind of a mix because they, they didn't know we weren't doing scores. So that's fine. I'll still shout them out. Yeah. A- Aaron Tucker, buddy of mine, says, Into the Wild. That's the one that Eddie Vedder did, I believe. Yeah, I was actually uh, thinking about that one, too. I, I haven't listened to it like much at all as just a soundtrack though so that's why i didn't like really consider it but it was one that came to mind he also says garden state kill bill requiem for a dream and snatch so that would be aaron's picks i don't really recall the snatch uh, soundtrack but uh the requiem for a dream score is one of my all-time favorites yeah that's a good one that's a dark one maybe that's a good one here uh, my buddy phil rude's got another tarantino death proof which is one that i considered mm-hmm uh, that's a good one. Dan Roski, patron of the show. Here's a couple that we didn't mention that I thought might come up. They were actually in my initial running and they didn't. They would probably honestly, these two would probably be like my 11 or 12. But he said High Fidelity and Juno. What do you think about those? Sure. Yeah. Juno was a big soundtrack at the time. And of course, High Fidelity. I mean, that that's mm-hmm. a great one. I, I, I should revisit that sometime soon, too. Me I haven't too. watched that movie in forever. Me too. Those two were right outside my top 10 just because I haven't listened to them in so long. Yeah. Uh, but I remember being uh, very fond memories of them. Uh, Dan Roski also says 50 First Dates, Adventureland. And he also shares your sentiment on Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Nice. Yeah. Adventureland so, had a couple of really good tracks on that. I, I don't remember the full soundtrack. I, I just remember in the movie itself, there was some great music. Mm-hmm. I think that takes place in the 80s, right? So it must be. Yeah. <laughs> there must be. There must be some good stuff on there. 
Uh, Jared Taylor also says Kill Bill Volume 1, so he's lockstep with me there. My buddy Michael, who is a friend in real life and a patron of the show, says 8 Mile, The Princess and the Frog, Watchmen, Kill Bill, and Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Now, I purposely did not do like musicals. Sure. So so to speak. Did you stay away from those on purpose or you just didn't happen to have any of those? I guess some people might consider once a musical. Yeah. No. For me it's a music movie, but uh well, I don't know. Do they do they swap out dialogue for singing? Not really. It just goes into songs that are like just extended you know, mm-hmm. sequences, but yeah, I need to revisit that man, to be honest. Uh, let's see. We'll just do a couple more here. David Powell, friend and patron of the show says garden state, Donnie Darko, the wonder boys, almost famous. And once there you go. Nice. Lauren Scott, friend of the show says Tarzan, a goofy movie and Aladdin. Although, uh, she must've thought I meant the entire two thousands. Maybe she was talking about the most recent Aladdin. Okay. But I love her, so I'm going to still shout her out. (laughs) (laughs) And then a brand new patron to the show. Thank you so much, Yvonne. Yvonne says, almost famous. I got it. I mean, obviously, I agree with her there. Yeah. My buddy Justin from the Epic Film Guy says, Freddy versus Jason. How do you feel about that? That's hardcore metal right there, brother. That's hilarious because I just rewatched uh, all, all of the Friday the 13th movies just before Halloween. And when I got to Freddy versus Jason, I was so turned off by that soundtrack. It, it, it's so just icky. But uh, I do love the movie, though. It's oh. it's so ridiculous. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, and then the last one I'll mention is patron extraordinaire Becca. She says, Into the Wild, Requiem for a Dream, High Fidelity, Kill Bill Volume 1, and The Royal Tenenbaums, which I believe was in your honorables. Yep, so, yep. Th- there you go. So thank you guys so much for the feedback over in the suggestion box. And David, we'll get you into the fan group over there. Man, I got to tag you on the episode anyway. So Yes. Uh, I'll get you in there and you can give future feedback. So listen, uh, you're doing the Piecing It Together podcast, which like we talked about at the top is a really interesting take on talking about movies because you talk about you know kind of movies that influenced the new movies which is really cool and i think everyone should give it a go and give it a shot why don't you tell them david uh, anything you want to tell them man where they can find you and etc sure absolutely well piecing it together you can find on any of the major podcast apps or on piecingpod.com and uh, we're on social media of course at piecingpod and uh, you can also find my music over at bydavidrosen.com and uh, I've got a bunch of albums out under the name David Rosen including a soundtrack album I put out earlier this year called Beater it's a uh, feature film that I scored so uh, check that out that's awesome man I will be checking that out that's great and uh, do me a favor and uh, tell Elton John that Gerald from Two Piece says hello. Will do. <laughs> I'm sure he knows exactly what you're going to be talking about. Uh, all right, man. I really appreciate you being here, brother. And uh, I'll talk to you soon, okay? All right. Thanks again for having me. Absolutely, man. All right, guys. We will be back next week with another Top 5 and another P on the pod.
Thank you for listening. Two Peas is an independent podcast. We rely on donations from our executive producers in order to release new content weekly. Please check the show notes for a current list of all of our executive producers. If you would like to join them to help us continue to release great content, please visit Two Peas on a Pod at patreon.com or check out the show notes for this episode. Again, we sincerely thank you for listening.